Welcome to the ICO Podcast. Happy Halloween! Sam, what are you going to be for Halloween? Grinch. Grinch. Lydia, what are you going to be? Max the doggy. Max the doggy. What's mommy going to be? Cindy Lou And what's daddy going to be? Who? A who. You got it. Thank you to Tony Overbay, therapist, speaker, author, and podcast host of The Virtual Couch, and our sponsor for the entire month of November. You could say that compassion is the reason I connected with Tony in the first place, because when I listened to his podcast, I felt like I had a therapist in my pocket who had both the know-how and the compassion for some of my struggles. He's doing amazing work specifically in the field of overcoming pornography addiction. Check out his course and a free ebook at pathbackrecovery.com. You can also check out his podcast and all the other cool stuff he's doing at TonyOverbay.com. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 65, The Meaning in My Suffering. I'm hoping that this episode will be the most listened to episode yet on the ICU podcast. And I'm saying this without a concrete one reason why I feel that way, except that my heart tells me that it should be. So if you will please do me a favor, and if this episode affects you for good, will you please share this specific episode with all your loved ones? This episode is going to be very raw and very important, and I think we need more of that in our world if we are to thrive. I'm going to skip the review for this week, but... If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you know that I had a pretty cool experience at the gym this morning. You can go check out my very real video where I'm super sweaty but happy on my social media accounts. I want to head straight into what I want to have a conversation about today. And I guess by conversation, I mean I'm going to talk at you. I guess you don't really have much of a choice, except that you did click play, so. But don't press stop. Just give me a chance here. My purpose in sharing the experience I'm going to share with you today first is to give an account of what anxiety can feel like and second, the meaning that I have found from it. Brief recap, just in case you're new to the podcast. So my name is Julie Lee, and I began struggling with anxiety, depression, and PTSD symptoms when I was 21. And I've endured some pretty intense, dark times since. I am now 29 and I use medication and therapy and all sorts of tools to help me live a beautiful life. I'm also a Christian and that plays a big role in my healing. And I'm very proud of my life. And I would say in general, I feel a lot of peace, which for me, peace means joy. I feel like parts of my story come out throughout the episodes of this podcast and throughout the interviews, but I share my story of my 20s and what led to this podcast in episode one. And then I go back and share a little more about what led to my PTSD symptoms in episode 25, which is more about my early years and my childhood. Today is going to have a little bit similar vibe to it as episode one and 25, but I'm going to talk about a situation closer to the present. And these experiences happened just two weeks ago, in fact. If you do follow me on social media, you may have seen a post that I posted uh, and I talked about that I was having pretty rough mental health weekend. And I didn't go into a lot of detail there, but my purpose in, in posting what I did was because I wanted to post in the middle of my hurt. I wanted it to not be when I was done with it because I wanted to say then, like I'll say now, that 
I am not alone and you are never alone, even in the middle of the dark when it feels like we are, that we're not. And that's what this podcast is going to talk about is that weekend. I'm going to go a little more in depth into the reasons behind it, why it was such a rough weekend and the meaning that I have found from it even during it. I want to start by reading a Viktor Frankl quote, which I love. Viktor Frankl, if you're not familiar with him, he is a psychiatrist who survived a Nazi death camp and wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl's theory, I'm going to take this from the back of the book, it says, is known as logotherapy. It's a conviction that the primary of human drive is not pleasure, but the pursuit of what we find meaningful. The primary reason of human drive is not pleasure, but the pursuit of what we find meaningful. This is what he says. He says, instead of possibilities, I have realities in my past. Not only the reality of work done and love loved, but of sufferings bravely suffered. These sufferings are even the things of which I am most proud, though these are things which cannot inspire envy. I had a weekend of suffering recently and... I just want to say that this is not the darkest time I've had in my life. But this was a taste of some of those things I've had in the past. It was a reminder of them. As I go on to talk with you now, I guess I just want to start with that I see you. And I hope that you can see me. This is only for a few days and I feel a lot better now. And so I don't mean to make that the same as Viktor Frankl's experience in a concentration camp. It certainly is not. However, I do know suffering and that's something no one can take away from me. And it's a powerful thing. In fact, another Viktor Frankl quote, I wasn't even going to share this. Now I want to because I just am such a fan. He says, what you have experienced, no power on earth can take from you. It was a Friday morning and I didn't feel great physically. I went to the gym that morning and I was on the treadmill and I remember I was having this weird experience where it's like as my feet would thud against the treadmill, it was like my body weight couldn't catch up to it or something. I don't know. And looking back, it was a very lightheaded feeling. That morning, we just had a rough morning and I'm not a huge yeller in general. I think it's because I had to work so much on mindfulness and meditation. It's In some ways, it's helped prepare me as a parent that I'm usually able to be pretty patient, but I was yelling at my son this morning, that cute little boy you heard at the beginning of the podcast, Sam. How could he do anything that would make anyone yell, right? Oh, but he was being tough and I was yelling at him and then I'd cry and then I'd yell and I'd cry. I just felt so sick that day and Rob came home and I had to just sit on the couch. I was so lightheaded and nauseated. Rob was like, maybe you're coming down with the flu because we had had the flu in our house a week prior. And even if you go back and listen to the beginning of episode 63, I recorded the beginning and ending of that episode on the couch. And I talk about it on the episode, how I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. We don't know what's going on. Why am I so sick? So you can actually go back and hear that. And then as the night went on, I just started spiraling to the point that I just became a complete anxious mess. And I was crying and talking to Rob and he was trying to talk to me and I felt like I couldn't even process what he was saying. And so I said, I'm going to go get in the tub. It was 10 o'clock at night and I just sat in my tub in my bathroom and I just cried and cried and cried and could not stop crying. I was sitting in the tub and I was just sitting there staring at my feet as the water from the spout poured down on him. I remember just trying to slow down my brain and remember all of the many tools I've learned over the years. I started trying to talk to myself really kindly, allowing myself to feel all the feelings I was feeling, giving myself that permission, telling myself if I even needed to quit the podcast or speaking, I could. 
Rob had said that to me as I was talking about all my concerns and my insecurities and my worries. He said, you don't even need to do your podcast or you don't need to do any of it, which isn't what I need. But in the moment when everything felt so incredibly overwhelming, it meant a lot to have someone else tell me that. And I decided, okay, I'm going to take a mental health day tomorrow. I'm not going to go to the gym in the morning. I'm going to cancel what I have on the calendar. And I'm just going to be really, really nice and tender with myself. So that night, me and Rob don't usually cuddle while we sleep a lot just because it's hot. We kind of like might snuggle for a minute and then we roll to our other side of the bed, right? We like having a king bed for that reason. We can both kind of stretch out. But that night, I wanted to snuggle up to my husband because when I feel like that, the last thing I want is to be alone. I feel very afraid and I don't want to be alone. I would wake up all throughout the night and I would just inch closer to him and fall back asleep. And then I'd wake up an hour later. And anyway, so it wasn't a great night of sleep. The anxiety, I couldn't keep it at bay. I was having a lot of dark feelings and thoughts that I don't have very often anymore. And the next morning I was still a mess and I was crying to Rob about it. And we prayed together as we try to stay very connected with our God. And he went to work and, you know, we said we'd be in touch. After he left, the first thing I did is I immediately Marco Poloed a few friends that I knew had my back and would be understanding. And I just literally cried on the phone, videoed myself crying and just asked for them to pray for me. One thing that I've learned through the years is that when I'm in a dark space like this, I have to reach out. I mean, that's one of the whole purposes of this podcast, right? Is that compassion and connection saves lives. I have to connect and that has saved my life in the past. And so I even thought of that episode, episode 62, we just did with Clint Pulver and his advice at the end of his episode. I remember I asked him what message he had for someone who was struggling and he said, first, remember that it's always going to get better. And I was telling myself that morning in my mind, I was saying, it's going to get better. I was literally remembering like, what did Clint say? And second, he said, don't be afraid to reach out for help. So that was me on Marco Polo reaching out, telling someone else that I'm not okay. I'm not doing okay over here and I need your prayers. I'm waist deep in the hole right now. And I was making these connections because I knew that that was the voice I needed to listen to in my brain. The one that was reminding me to connect with other people, not the one in my brain that was telling me to crawl back under the covers and hunker down deeper in my hole because that always makes things worse when I isolate myself. I'm getting my kids ready and walking into the other room and crying a little bit in between them coming out and just, oh my goodness, my anxiety, my chest is so tight and I just feel out of control. And I just keep breathing and telling my, I feel out of breath just talking about it. I don't know if it's because I'm talking too fast, but, or if it's like a little bit of the anxiety coming back, it's all good y'all. But I'm breathing and I just keep telling myself to just do the next step. Just do the next thing. When I get in situations like this, I, you know, I'll say, okay, just, just put on your clothes. Just brush your teeth, Julie. Just do this. So just get the kids ready. Just get the kids dressed. I have them dressed. Just get their cereal out. That's how I handle it. But it's been a while since I've had to be this intentional, you know, one moment, one task at a time. So this whole time, I'm just like, what in the world is going on? You know, I, I take medicine and yes, I haven't been to therapy in a while because we switched jobs and we moved, but you know, I'm getting into a therapist soon at my therapy appointments actually today. Fun fact for you, October 30th, this new therapist. But I just was so confused with what was going on. It was really shaking me up. So I go to take my antidepressant, which I take every morning. That's my next step. And I have to be careful because the specific medicine that I take is kind of high maintenance, where if you take it at different times, 
Like if you take it 8 a.m. one day and 2 p.m. the next day, that's not good for you. You have you can start getting a headache or an upset stomach. So it's really important that you always take it around the same time of day every day. There are a lot of antidepressants out there and some that I've even been on where you can even forget a dose or two for a day or two and you won't even notice. But that is not how my medication now works. I tell myself I need to take my medicine. So I pull out my pill calendar to open Friday's pills and I stop and I just stare because I can't believe what I'm seeing. My pills are sitting in Wednesday and Thursday's compartments. I'm just sitting there and the wheels in my brain are slowly turning. Remember that antidepressant I take, the one you're supposed to take the same hour every day if you can? I'd forgotten to take my medication for two days. You guys, I never forget to take my medication. In fact, one of my biggest fears is that we're going to be somewhere, that there's going to be some natural world disaster, and I'll be without my medicine. So just a pause for a little comic relief so I can breathe a little slower. (laughs) I want to read you a text conversation I had with my sister, Christy, that day. I said to her, I was reminded of how anxiety feels so crippling and it's easy for me to forget how intense it can be. I would never want someone to look at my life and think I have it all together when that's not reality for any of us. It just freaks me out, the idea of not having my medicine for some reason. And Christy says to me, like, if the world ended, that kind of thing? I say, yeah, Christy, we'd all be screwed then. The zombies would get me first. I'm so blind without my contacts, plus I'm a wimp. Me. Ha! I just have to have faith God would keep me from turning into a psychotic mess in a ditch somewhere. Just come find me if the world ends, please. Christy, I'll find you if I don't lose my glasses. (laughs) But for reals, it turns out it's a bad idea to forget my medicine for two days. Everything starts making sense. It's like a light bulb went off in my head as I'm staring at my pills. The lightheadedness, the nausea, all the flu like symptoms, the uncontrollable anxiety and crying, not being able to sleep all of it. I was so grateful because all of a sudden there was this concrete reason why I was suffering so much. And I know that's not always the case for people in their suffering. And I've been there before when you don't have a quick concrete answer like that. It would have been really easy and I was tempted to look at that weekend and just toss it out the window, which yes, my medicine had a large part to do with why I was suffering for sure. I realized I wouldn't be taking Viktor Frankl's advice to find meaning in my suffering. I could even let myself kind of feel embarrassed about it and not want to talk about it because it was a medication error. So who am I to talk about suffering? It was just a medicine error. But that's stupid. Suffering is suffering. And it was a rough weekend for me. And I'm so proud of myself for reaching out, for talking to Rob, for Marco Poloing a few friends that I knew would understand, even though a few hours later I responded and was like, okay, hold up. Yes, I'm still struggling, but there is an answer to all of this because I knew I couldn't get through that alone. And it took a few days for chemicals to balance out my brain. It's not like because I knew that all of a sudden I felt better, but it did start getting easier just knowing the reason why. So the second part of the episode, I want to talk to you about finding the meaning in this weekend. First, I was reminded of what the whole really feels like. And I have a lot of compassion for people who struggle with their mental health. I've experienced a lot of suffering that way all through my 20s. My father was diagnosed with bipolar when I was around three years old. And growing up, he was never able to find medication that helped him. I've had a lot of experience and compassion for those who struggle. But there is nothing 
like feeling some of those feelings again, especially when I'm at a point in my life when I have a lot of tools, a great support system, a thriving podcast, and yet there's still nothing quite like it. And so my compassion is just expanded for anyone suffering. And that's exactly why I sat down and I wrote a quick Facebook, Instagram post about it because no matter what, and you can go back and look at that if you want, no matter what, I want people who are suffering to know that you are not alone. And I needed to remind myself that I am never alone, that those feelings are lies. As I sat there in the tub Friday night, Before I knew that I'd forgotten to take my meds for two days, I kept thinking of something my therapist used to say to me. She would talk about Viktor Frankl, and she said, what do you think was the difference between those that were able to survive and those who didn't? And I'd say, what? Tell me. (laughs) I'll do it, whatever it is, right? I felt like in those dark times, I felt like I was in, excuse me, I felt like I was in my own concentration camp, my own personal hell in my brain. And she'd say they were able to see beyond the concentration camp. They were able to see that there would be a life beyond what they were experiencing right then. And it goes back to what Clint said in episode 62. We have to remember that it always gets better. And talk about finding meaning. That is a meaningful mantra. It always gets better. And I said that to myself over and over again that weekend. And it does. It's true. It gets better. Some more meaning I found that weekend is that I was reminded that I do have people I can reach out to. I have people around me, all around me who understand, not because they've had the exact same struggles I've had, but because their own suffering has given them a capacity to understand and to love. And I felt seen. It was also a great opportunity for me to exercise some serious self-compassion I hate when I feel out of control like that. In fact, I'm kind of a control freak naturally, if you know me very well. And I don't like things to be out of order. Well, I had the opportunity to have things be very out of order and messy in my brain and to be real careful about the words that I was telling myself. I'm going to share some of those words with you that I remember saying to myself. It was things like, you're okay, sweetie. You're okay. In fact, I sat there in the tub and I rubbed my hand back and forth over my collarbone to comfort myself because my my chest gets really tight when I'm super anxious like that. And so I sit there and I rub my collarbone just back and forth. And I tell myself things like, you're all right. You're going to be okay. It's okay that you feel scared. It's okay. God loves you. And I have to say, even being in the middle of a medication blip like this, that feels so real and intense, there's still nothing like speaking to my inner child the one who's afraid, who's terrified of anxiety and depression and thinks that her life is over when she feels anything like it because she saw how hard that was on her father and her family. Self-compassion is powerful. Speaking to your inner child is powerful. I couldn't do a ton to take care of myself when I was five. I can do a lot to take care of myself now and take care of the five-year-old that's still scared sometimes about that. I often ask guests at the end of an interview this question. If there's someone listening who's struggling, what would be your message to them? And today I want to answer that question directly. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your suffering looks like exactly, but I do know what it feels like to have no hope, to wonder how you can possibly live through another minute, hour, day. And I know what it feels like to not want to live at all. But I also know that light always 
always comes. And there is meaning in our suffering. There's meaning in our experiences. And life is worth any sacrifice, any adjustment we have to make, any tool we have to adopt. We are worth it. And life is so worth it. I know that compassion, the compassion that you can and will extend to others when you're through this nightmare of suffering and that the self-compassion you can give yourself right now in this moment has power. Find someone to reach out to, to connect with. Don't isolate yourself. Let yourself be seen. Let someone else see you as you are right now. Viktor Frankl, he says, the meaning of your life is to help others find the meaning of theirs. You are needed and your experience is needed. And like Gaina Lynn shared back on, I think it was episode 14, there are no extras. There are no extras here. God didn't make extras. It's not like Ikea where you get the kit and they leave a few extra parts just in case. He didn't do that with you and he didn't do it with me. There's no one that can take our place. And as my sister texted me (laughs) that awful Friday, I wish I could take it away for you. Love you tons. Hang in there. Thanks again to my dear friend and host of the Virtual Couch Podcast, Tony Overbay. Check out his free ebook and discover the five common mistakes Christians make attempting to break free from pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. You can download a copy of it at his website, thepathbackrecovery.com, and see all of his other amazing work, including his podcast at tonyoverbay.com. If you loved him in episode 38, When Your Marriage is Hurting, I guarantee you'll love his other stuff just like I do. Next week, we are talking to the dietitian of the Utah State Prison and my personal friend, Laura Bain. We are going to learn about compassion and the way she uses it and how she plans out the food for the prison and the individual counseling she gives to prisoners. It's an amazing interview. So next week, it's all about prison food. Happy Halloween. And until next time, my name is Julie Lee and I see you. Do you know a group of people that needs to hear the message that compassion and connection save lives, that it saved my life? Contact me at www.icupodcast.com. Seeing each other with compassion and connection not only saves lives, but it can completely transform a work environment, a school environment, and a religious environment. I am willing to talk to anybody that will listen, because I'm right about this.